0: Welcome to this episode of the Down the Pole podcast. This is an emergency uh, episode because we've been on a little bit of a hiatus just with the end of the season, but obviously huge news in, in Halifax today. There's been some kind of, some would say bombshell news throughout the week really with uh, with, with Halifax and uh, joining me uh, as as always is uh, Mr. From Aways himself, uh, Gary Griffiths. Welcome to the show again, Gary.
1: Thank you, mate. This is the only thing I think would have, would have left our christmas vacations for isn't it That's yeah pretty much. news we're both on the beach in dubai putting <laughs> our feet up <laughs> i was
0: actually on tour in australia yeah. uh, playing in a tournament in, in sydney like like and <laughs> everything. but uh, like it's um it is kind of like a, a slow it, it's a kind of slow time between the end of the season and, and christmas so you know i was i was thinking of like trying to set up a couple of interviews to kind of just Keep the the fans engaged, and so their fans, our, cam- our Cambodian fans, yeah, our yeah, Cambodian exactly. fans, you, you they know, have a need for content. It's insatiable. It's, and it's we- true. It's true um so but like the, the thing is like you know I, I don't really want to be annoying people coming up to christmas too right it's thanksgiving in the states and all that kind of stuff so i'll probably be into the new <laughs> not, year you're, before, <laughs> you're, not you, of...
1: you're not you too though mate you're not you're not like if if you know when you two did that album and it automatically appeared in people's itunes music folder yeah i think with the podcast if if they they're not forced to listen to it, so it's
0: okay. Uh, no, no. What I mean though is that like I just don't want to like if I'm reaching out to players to, to be. To oh, if we meant people listening, yeah. No, no, no. Like nobody listens anyway. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm cool with that. I just don't want to be like like annoying people like by saying like Hey, do you want to come on the show and talk football and. When like the last thing come to Christmas and, and I, Thanksgiving, so. I remember
1: in the first season because now like if we want to interview a player we obviously go through go through Ryan at the club but I remember in the first season it was a bit more like the wild west so as soon as someone signed i just like slide into their dm <laughs> oh, hi I'm Gary yeah. I
0: run a blog like the I, I did the same Fantastic thing man. if you wanted to I, talk oh my god it's so anyway I <laughs> I, then, have, I actually have a spiel I like copy and paste it stuff to hope that somebody yeah. gets, like, I get a nibble. And it's it was it's, just... fucking, it's fucking lame. It's like, hi, oh, yeah, I meant to be, yeah, but the host of the Down the Pub podcast. We are a small podcast based in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Yeah. But you give them it's all like that. Oh, I, uh, yeah, yeah, Bitcoin. yeah. <laughs> 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 I think like, that's probably what it is. They probably just, like, block me because they think I'm trying to sell stuff. To yeah, them. yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, so, uh, <laughs> but uh like, you know, today was, uh it, it kind of felt momentous I, I think because obviously it's the second like you know we've kind of moved on from like I it really felt like we've moved on from Stephen's era I think but like, up until now although Stephen wasn't at the helm like it still kind of felt that the club was still rolling the way it was and and you know I, I really felt that uh, Patrice uh, kind of came in with like a, a, a breath of fresh air and we were kind of just talking before we came on here. Like, like I, I think it's nice that we went for somebody just a, a little bit out of left field that we didn't just go for the Jimmy Brennans and, uh, and the usual kind of people that were kind of uh, linked with the job. So first of all, I want to kind of get your reaction to, 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 to the signing and um, <clears throat> kind of give us a little bit of that uh, because I know you, you, you're a student of the game. So kind of tell us, kind of tell us like like the side of play that you've seen them I mean, because he obviously, he said himself, he's an attacking uh, player I know You've kind of uh, dug a little bit deeper into it, so
1: I think I think by saying he's an attacking coach, he's almost underestimating how attacking he actually is. He's an incredibly attacking coach. Um, just to start on like the thoughts on the hire. I, I mean, I I never heard, I'm I'm not like massively familiar with the Canadian game, so I had never actually heard of him before yesterday when kind of things were leaking onto Twitter and stuff but um, he seems like a really exciting coach like he's got an incredible record in League One Ontario he seems like I liked the way he spoke he seemed to carry himself really well in the press conference today and he said a lot of the right things in terms of like I, I feel like with stuff like this you can kind of you can see the ghost of the interview process in those press conferences because yep. the buzzwords and the things they say a lot are obviously things that were reiterated to them during the interview process. So the emphasis he kept putting on attacking football, entertain the fans, send people home happy. I think, I don't I don't think we should ever like shit on Stephen Hart's legacy in any way, shape or form. But I think probably the most negative part of his legacy would be that we had a lot of games at Wanderer's Grounds which weren't particularly enjoyable to watch. And that's down to a, a million different factors. Um, but at the end of the day, people people attach that sort of shit to the coach. I think there was an awareness from the the from Derek and Matt, and I think there was an awareness from Patrice today in the press conference to really reiterate and emphasize the fact that attacking football is what's on the menu now, especially as that press conference was happening the day before season ticket renewals were beginning for no, sorry, season ticket sales for, for new customers were beginning in terms of attacking football. Yeah. I, I watched as much as, as much, as much of Vaughn as I could over the past day or two. And it's, there's some weird, interesting, very, very entertaining stuff going on there with them um, in terms of formations forget about formations just just chuck that idea out the window it's kind of becoming a bit archaic now this idea of teams are 4-3-3 teams or three five two teams like when you when you watch the way his team set up in league one ontario like they weren't they weren't they weren't sticking to anything rigid in any way shape or form like if you really had to pin it down to something it would be like a 4-1-4-1 sort of deal um but really what they were doing is i've, I've read a bit about this Idea recently of like, I think Pep Guardiola said it, and this Arsenal podcast I listen to, there's a coach on there and talks about it a lot. I know. Um, it's this idea of like teams now, basically play a 5-5. Five, five. They have five attackers and five defenders. And that's how teams, like the top teams, teams who teams who are the protagonists in their league, this is how they play. So if you kind of attach that sort of theory to the way Vaughn were playing last season, the five defenders they had, they had two centre-backs that stayed pretty rigid. Sorry, I say five defenders, I mean five defensive players. So they had two centre-backs who sat in quite rigidly. They had a number six who always played quite close to them. And then the fullbacks were doing some mental shit. Like the right back would often like come in and tuck him to form like a back three. That was quite normal. Sometimes the right back would kind of step into midfield. But the left back for Vaughan was fucking everywhere. Like he was a left back, he'd like drop in and be a double pivot with the six. Sometimes he'd kind of like threaten to join in with the attack, but like he was absolutely everywhere. But that was their like five unit in terms of their five defensive players. In terms of their attacking five, and again, this is like ridiculously attacking, like super, super aggressive. They had a nine, who was a focal point, quite a big guy as a nine. Um, and he was kind of traditionally what a nine looks like. But then the other front, the other two of the front three basically played as tens just in behind him and really, really narrow as well. So you had like a little triangle there and then you had two wide forwards as well. So you essentially had five, basically five forwards at times. It was a bit mental actually, like really, really attacking, really pressy, really fluid. Like the rotations between the players was, was just constant as well. Like, especially, like I said, with the left back dropping into midfield, dropping out to left back. Um, Yeah, it was really, really interesting actually. Um and I enjoyed watching those games because I felt like I was learning stuff, like just trying to figure out what their left back was doing, and and then when the penny drops and you go, oh shit, okay, so they've committed that many plays into attack. They need someone to drop in and make sure we're, they're not killed on transition. So the left back comes in, and yeah, really interesting stuff.
0: The that's kind of the way the game has gone. Uh, you know, you often when you listen to Tommy Wilson Jr. in a press conference or. James Merriman or whatever they're always talking about fluidity and how their systems change uh, throughout the game so you know they'll be talking about a certain point of the game and like yeah we were playing like a, a 4 2 three, one or whatever it was whereas I think that was kind of probably one of the issues that Stephen had like was that he was very rigid in the systems it was very, very like very rare that we would change formation so we were kind of easier to read so you know were you saying that players are kind of moving and constantly changing it kind of it keeps the coach that you're playing against guessing as to what you're actually doing which is gonna which is huge i think it's like you know it's kind of uh, football an awful lot of times is like a chess game and it's like how you set your pieces up so uh, I'm, I'm really excited to um to to see like you know this plan in action when we ha- actually have our like our own players because so i should be the next level up from what you were watching today but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we're going to see an awful lot of uh league 1 players coming into to halifax so do you think that was part of the the scope and the part of the reason why they brought in <clears throat> patrice because we really haven't had a huge pipeline from league 1 ontario because obviously they they're going to go to the ontario teams that's why we've kind of been the PLSQ and also you got Escobar from um, from League One BC. So do you think that's a that was a big part of why they brought him into?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And just very quickly on the point you made a moment ago about like looking forward to seeing how he implements it in, in this league. I think that's an interesting thing about this as well, because you and I talked about when we were talking about Alejandro Dorado last season, like I think we both thought and just did like the catholic cross if anyone (laughs) wondered um yeah we both thought like maybe he he was trying to implement a system which was quite complex and the players weren't necessarily good enough to implement it but you think about what patrice has been doing in league one ontario where he's working with players who hypothetically are not all at the level of a CPL player yet he's, he's introduced and implemented this incredibly complex rotational system. And that tells me his messaging and his coaching is spot on and his instructions are crystal clear because I was watching those games thinking all of these players know their jobs inside out. And that's down to a coach who, yeah, crystal clear with messaging, everyone knows their jobs. So I I, I'm so curious and so excited to see how it translates. Um, yeah, next question on in terms of like finding players in League One Ontario, didn't didn't he say earlier that um like 30 to 35 players he thought from yeah. that league <clears throat> were capable of playing yeah. in the CPL?
0: He uh, when he's talking about Jenkins, he's talking <coughs> about like watching the, the games and studying like the the opponents, and he said there's always like one player that would stand out and you kind of would hope that they get onto that next level. But what I found interesting when he was actually talking about that is it wasn't just their level of play. I, I think he also said that we want to talk t- to the person before we even bring them in of whether they're going to be able to do the travel, you know, stepping up to the professional game. So it, it's almost like they, the the talent part of it is like 50% and then the other 50% is like who the, who they are as a person because I think that's been part of our issue too, is that like we're obviously playing in Halifax. It's a huge part of uh, being a wanderer is that you're traveling a lot more than a lot of the other teams you know like there is an awful lot more travel involved for us so <laughs> I think that that was like music to my years too and that was probably a message that Derek and Max I know that they've be behind the scenes have probably been concerned about some of the players we're bringing in who probably just haven't been able to cope with the turnaround because once the season starts there's not an awful lot of sessions where you can have like hard sessions you can have with players a lot of it is like rest and then you're kind of just prepping for the next game because like the travel just takes so much out of them because it's it's not just a one day turnaround it's usually a two or three day and then you need to rest and all that kind of stuff so I I picked that up and I thought that was like you know he's as you said it's probably something that was brought up in the interview process and he's been like really smart and letting Derek and Matt know that you know he's uh he, he's on he's on the case. You know what I mean. So,
1: do you remember, do you remember as well when we did the 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 live podcast? Um, <clears throat> you I think you asked Matt what they were <clears throat> looking for in a coach and in the new players, and yep. he's the big thing he said was emotional intelligence, wasn't it? Yeah. And when you have. A schedule like we're going to have and all of the travel cross country you need you need people who can sit next to each other on a plane for three or four hours and still be friends by the end of it you need characters in the dressing room who aren't going to sulk because oh god I've got to get up at four to catch a flight and it's incredibly important in this league especially because I mean we're like I I think all clubs have probably suffered from this but obviously we're very close to Wanderers and you hear things on the grapevine but we've had several players who the personalities have just not been suited to the group and not been suited to the sort of environment this league has created for players. So that's got to be the number one thing Like you need, you need that togetherness and you need people who, yeah, have emotional intelligence and can read a room and understand how to behave and how to carry themselves.
0: And it was, I think it was something that rampy brought up too, about like, you know, you're talking about the younger guys that, you know, like the, the, the prep and getting used to, that travel part, but that's a big part of the game. And, you know, I I think that, um, like one of the things I really noticed from the, the press conference today, and it's, it's li- little things with, with me that kind of stick out in my mind is that like, you know, when, when, when you ask a question, he doesn't know me from Adam, doesn't know anybody pretty much on on Zoom from Adam, but he always clocked your name. So like, when I asked him, like, you know, he was, you could tell he was listening because straight very He was like, well, Anthony, blah, blah, blah. And it kind of just made you feel well, Mister, Mister, the pub. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but like, but but Norrie's just like, oh, whatever, blah 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 blah. And I just, I just thought it was a nice touch that he was kind of paying attention to. He was asking a question and addressing the answer back to them. You know what I mean? So, and mm. he probably has media training, but I just thought that was like, it's little things like that. I think it's just like attention to detail. So you know,
1: you'd you, I... you really notice that with people that are outside of football, like. I think that's the, the biggest way to endear yourself to someone is by, yeah, number one, like remembering their name and like remembering little details they say to you about their life and like asking them about it yeah. when you see them the next time. And it's just like a really like easy social skill, isn't it? And cause it like shows the person you're talking to that you have empathy and stuff. So like he said, yeah. that's, I thought that in the interview as well, like when he was, when the, with the Adam Jenkins interview, like the amount of times, like every answer he would use Adam's yeah. name, like and that, again, it just endears you to someone. So hopefully the players respond as well.
0: Yeah, even like uh, Brandon from uh, Canucks Abroad had like asked a question and I was kind of muffled in the room. Uh, and he, he like was like, Brandon, uh, I couldn't hear your question. Could you ask again? And it's just that little little connection that you that you made with a lot mm. of people in the room. But I, I think... Uh, what I want to move on to next is, you know, like you kind of mentioned there about having to having having a complex system and having the players that are able to play that system. And maybe we didn't have the players last year that were able to play the system that we wanted to play at the beginning of the year, and and like Alex Dorado style and and stuff like that. But a lot of people thought um, that the players were were never brought in for that system. That they try to put like uh, square pegs around holes. <clears throat> so do you think that you know on the back of Jeremy leaving, Pierre leaving, that we're gonna see? And Derek's talk has talked about fifty percent of the squad overturning. That that's the reason why that they want to bring in players that they think can fit into the system that they want to play rather than just he's a good player. He's got a good name in Canadian football. Let's get him.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I imagine the the. The 50% that come back, the 11, 12, 13, whatever it is, they're players who they're pretty comfortable, they're pretty confident will be comfortable in his system because they'll know, they'd have known through the interview process the ideas that Patrice had for the way he wants a team to set up next season. So, yeah, I'm sure the players they've retained, I mean, obviously there were some who had been retained regardless Just talking now while we're talking about this, my brain's kind of whirling around now, going, okay, where does Fumpa fit into this system? Where does Omar fit into this? And and they're they're conversations to have down the line and they're kind of little thoughts to have while you're walking the dog or going for a run to have, like to think about this stuff because not everyone I think of fits into the way he was playing particularly well, but a lot of them do. Um, And I'm sure the recruitment going forward now will reflect that because again, I mean, we're hearing about this today, but I imagine it's been done for a couple of weeks now. I know imagine going back maybe even a month, they had an idea that it would probably be him. So they've obviously started to put things in place. For him, um, I think we'll probably get on to talking about player departures soon enough, and I think that that those departures were very much informed by the coach they were bringing in.
0: Yeah, I was actually just going to move on to that. Like, you know, um, I, I think as well, um, we might see uh, some Von Azzurri players make the step up to come along because obviously they're trained in the system and he probably knows that they're good enough to play in, in the CPL mm-hmm. but like so we're just switching gears to, to the departures from the club and I know it's been a kind of a, a heavy week and a lot of people were upset especially with uh, Jeremy leaving and you know like we saw that Pierre Lamothe like players have this thing now where they were to do this cryptic message thing you know it's like uh, they don't actually say I'm fucking out of here peace <laughs> it's kind of like this you know um, Pierre said like you know like, thanks Halifax da, 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 and then uh, he, he tipped up in Pacific. Uh, two days later, so I
1: I did in. Sorry, I, I I don't. We didn't know each other in the first during the first season. I don't think. But at the end of the first season, I did um, this CPL player departure bingo sheet for people to fill out, and it was kind of like all of the the like common things that players say in their goodbye (laughs) message to the club so i I can't remember exactly what it was it was like god God has a plan for me would be one um um, like a a love scripture a love heart in the color of their team so a blue heart for wanderers can't wait to see what the next chapter holds just stuff like that
0: new challenge would be one yeah Um, new,
1: new challenge best fans in the league yeah you were so, best fans in the league. I've enjoyed my time here. And I was just like, when I was looking at their departure messages, I was like trying to remember what was on that bingo sheet.
0: So, so like, you know, you know, there's been kind of, obviously there's a lot, a lot of rumours floating around, uh, like in, since the season stopped um, as to who was kind of coming, who was kind of going and stuff like that. And I know, I know that I heard that Jeremy was thinking uh, of leaving. And I think that's the one that people were kind of upset the most because obviously he was being like one of our best players in the last uh, two years. So, Looking at it, like you know, like and before, I think a lot of people were upset because it feels like we've kind of let people's contracts run down and not put in an option offer. And then you know, it's kind of um, we've left it too late. And I think that's the perception because I, I think the club hasn't been the greatest, um, at putting the message out there as to what's happening. You know, like obviously, there's, they've got a new coach coming in, but like you know, when Pierre Lamotte gets um. Gets picked up by uh, Pacific, and there's there's nothing from from us like saying you know thank you or that kind of stuff. It just kind of just it was rankling with people, I and mean, you could see the the noise on on Twitter and stuff that people were kind of upset that we'd let two players leave and didn't take up their option. But do you see do you see now why we we've kind of moved on and what what do you think that what do you think of the two guys and their time here in Halifax and what they brought to us. Just to kind of be nice on the the flip side, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I think like the first point about the messaging and it rankling with
1: people that like, what what are the clubs supposed to do? Like. the club aren't working with Pacific to like correlate an announcement from them with us announcing departures. Like the club will have a date in mind where they're going to announce everyone who's re-signing and departing. And that's the date, like just because they then get word from Pacific that, Oh, we're going to announce it on this day. They can't bring forward all of this shit, all of these articles they've prepared quotes and stuff just because Pacific are going to do that. Like, I think sometimes you have just got to take the hit on something like that and go "Eh." like, that's, what what can we do? So yeah, I'm not I'm not asked about that, to be honest. Um in terms of J- Jeremy and Pierre's legacy, that's an interesting question, actually, because so I think to start with Lamoff, I think he's quite I think I think he was more polarizing than the reaction to his departure news would suggest. Um I think I'm on record. I always I was always quite a big fan of him. I liked I like him as a player quite a lot. Um but I don't think he was ever – he was never, like, a solid starter for us, was he? Like, I can't even think of a month where he played 75% – sorry, where he started 75% of the games. Like, he was he was a really good CPL squad player. And hopefully for him, because he seems like a nice guy, he'll go to Pacific and become someone a bit more nailed on. But, again, if we're talking about and assuming that, that Patrice is going to implement this system that he was playing – with Vaughan like a player like Lamoff doesn't quite fit into that because Lamoff's like quite a metronomical number eight who kind of links links the attack and the defense, but that sort of player doesn't really exist in the way Patrice has been setting his teams up. So yeah, that's fine. Like hope he has a really good career, nice guy, but not overly concerned. Um, Jeremy, I do understand people's frustrations because he was probably our second, arguably our best player last season. But I think here there's, there's a life outside of football as well that people don't necessarily think of when they're getting upset about players leaving. Um, People have commitments. um, The club wants to be professional and, but also be empathetic to the human side of things. And they, they, don't want to kind of punish anyone who's been a really good professional so i think there's stuff there that is also to be considered that people may not know about um it, again also kind of like pierre i'm not sure he massively fits into what patrice would would want to do with the team as good a player as he is and i really really like jeremy um i'm not sure he fits completely into what patrice would want to do that being said i would probably still have kept him just because he was an he seemed like an incredibly good professional who who kind of set a good example for the younger players and yeah I think he will be missed but I wouldn't be surprised if we we see him back at the grounds in a different colored shirt before too long
0: yeah, <laughs> that's the rumors anyway. That yeah, uh, yeah, he won't he,
1: say what color,
0: but yeah, um, it's out there though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, green. Um, so yeah, so um, no, but it, like you're totally right, and I think that like Jeremy's twenty seven. It's not like he's twenty twenty one. So you know, you, you do get those commitments as you kind of get a little bit older, and you know, there's probably something in life that just kind of moves him away from wanting to stay in Halifax and away from his family, like for eight nine months of, of the year, but it. It's once again. It's another one of those that people's perceptions have been that we just kind of let, just let them go, and we didn't really put up a fight to keep them. Um, I, I think you know if if you're trying to have a like a deep line six who is calm and collected on the ball, like Rampy is the person that you would spring to your mind straight away, and I think that's probably like what we're probably looking for here. What you were talking about the the setup. Uh, I think Jeremy's more a little bit more advanced and just like is a a person just gonna knock the ball, like um like break stuff up and just pass it around. So I think um I could see why we've done it. It doesn't I'm upset to see him go like just because of the person. He's an amazing ambassador for he was an amazing ambassador for the club, he's a, an amazing person, really good player. Um, and we're, we're like we're definitely gonna miss him. But I think it as we all kind of need to put a bit of faith in like what Patrice is trying to do. And I think you're right. He would have had some sort of say in those kind of who we keep, who we don't Mm -hmm. keep. I think with Pierre, he probably that opportunity probably came up. Uh, He's probably offered something and he just couldn't sit on his hands any longer. And he just kind of had to make the move. I totally agree with you. I think that he never got that consistency, but on the flip side for him, I think that's a lot to do with the system that we had. Um he would he, like he he always felt like he was slightly out of position or what was never hundred percent involved in what was going on in the game. Like he, he like he's not the type of guy that can grab a scuffing a game by the scuff of the neck and control a game. Like he's kind of he he pops up in pockets and he's able to do stuff. I think you know Patrice's um system might have actually suited him to be honest with you, the type of player that he is, but you know. I really hope that he does go to Pacific and becomes more than just a squad player again. I, I think he's definitely yeah. got the talent. You know, if, if, if you watch them Friday at the time, you can see he's got a great touch. He's got great vision. It just never, it was just never consistent enough. Mm-hmm. And also the system that Steven had, I don't think it really played to his strengths either. And I think coming to Halifax in the first place was probably a mistake for him. You know, yeah. like I feel like... He- his agent probably just didn't do the homework properly on the way that Steven plays the game I suppose. Right? So. His agent follows me mate, go easy. Uh, yeah, so, I'm gonna get slide into my DMs <laughs> having a go at me. I'm not the Irish one. Leave me
1: alone. <laughs> oh god. So, so yeah, so like uh, honestly sorry, just last thing on this. If you really like I know I kind of rushed through it earlier, but if you really nail down the way Vaughn played last year, I can't see where either of them would fit in. Like neither of them so Again, you've got your five defensive players. Neither of them really could do that sixth thing because it's so dynamic. And if you think about the five attackers, neither of them are wiped forwards. Yep. Neither of them are tens because, again, Vaughn played with really narrow tens, two tens really narrow just off the striker. And neither of them are that. And obviously neither of them are a number nine either. So, yeah, I get it. I get it. It's sad, but I I get it.
0: Yeah, I, I think that when people thought about the, the 50% of players that could potentially be leaving, I don't think they, the first player that wouldn't have come into their mind was Jeremy, to be honest with you. Like Pierre, maybe, just because, as you said, he, he wasn't a starter every game. But Jeremy was obviously definitely one that people have grown to, to, to like and um, all that kind him, of stuff. Him,
1: him and Rampy were, the, I think, the only ones people would be gutted about. And, yeah. and More, Morelli as well, obviously.
0: But, you know, I, I, I'm often painted as this negative person but i like i haven't been to the press conference today and just heard the guy talk like i'm willing to give him the benefit today the the doubt and go along for the ride and see how it goes because i I said it before i'd rather be at the Wanderers ground watching us like score three goals and lose four three or or something just to Mm. get me get me excited and be pumped up rather than just sitting there going like oh geez we're Dragging out another fucking nil nil one nil thing here, you Mate, know what I
1: mean. So even privately, you were really positive. Like, yeah. like sometimes me and you can come on here and like <laughs> be a bit more polite about things than we are when we just chat in <laughs> privately. But like even privately, you were like, well, "I'm really excited about this, Yeah. Like, brilliant it, Hire and stuff."
0: But because because I I was de- I, like you know uh, people had told me that there were the what the, like the the rumors of the shortlist, and I was just like, "This is so." the shortlist like patrice had never been mentioned whatsoever it was like a the, the usual suspects and i'm kind of glad sure this was, was uh, fucking dull yeah yeah like the and, one uh, i
1: was hearing was like oh jesus but he was never on it so it's probably shitty information yeah and
0: exactly and you know i'm, I'm kind of glad that like you know i kind of my, my hopes weren't exactly like high after hearing what the shortlist is and then suddenly like you know derek and matt just kind of pulling out a bag and like just mm. seeing the two of them today you could tell that they're buzzing for it like you know like a, a i think that that buzzword of as you said like the attacking football thing and like you know it, it was hammered into people's heads i think that derek has listened to what the criticism has been of that team that we had for like the last two years and they, they definitely want to check, turn around so i don't think we can blame derek and, and matt for not um, having the guts to go out and get somebody who's going to that's yeah that you know, it,
1: so. In terms of guts, yeah, and like the way the way he sets up is is football with a lot of guts as well. Like I was chatting to Shep earlier about it, and we were like, "We're gonna get smashed like four or five nil once or twice next season." One hundred percent, we're going to get smashed four or five nil once or twice next season. But for in terms of the overall product and the overall kind of football we watch at the grounds, it will it will hopefully be a trade-off that's worth it because we'll be playing really exciting football and really risky, high-risk, aggressive football as well, which we all want to see. Um, And, like, final point on him, because I've seen, like, the more, like, negative reactions to it have been centred around the fact that he doesn't have professional experience, which is fair enough. But who are the two most successful coaches in the Canadian Premier League? Tommy Wilden Jr. and... Bobby Smirniotis and neither of them had professional experience before they joined the league. Yeah. So I, that's I, not something that bothers me. I,
0: I, I heard that, um, you know, but with this league being so new and like there's so much untapped talent here in Canada, I, I don't even, I don't even, didn't even cross my mind. Like no, I, couldn't, no. I couldn't really, like he ran like, you know, a semi-professional club there's an awful lot of stuff that goes into running one of those so mm. you know i'm sure he knows what he's doing so yeah so just before we, we tip into uh the the, the mailbag and, and all that kind of stuff uh just a quick word on i guess the disappointment the disappointing journey that poor alex dorado had you know like i mean he came yeah. in here with a lot of with a little hype around him. obviously with the way for pro license um you know super super nice guy like one of the nicest guys that always had time for you at the Wanderers grounds and and stuff like that but i i feel like he was he was really unlucky that he came into the club at the the declining part of that cycle and he kind of got like dragged along with it and i think he never really got a chance to do what he wanted in his own right so i kind of feel bad for him but I, I think that with the experience he has and the type of guy he is like he'll he'll bounce back so
1: yeah, he'll be fine. I mean, like you said, it was just maybe right person, wrong time. Yeah. Uh, because unfortunately, and we did him no favors because we talked about this a lot, yeah. but like he was always going to be tarred with la- the brush of last season. If I think I've got that saying the wrong way yeah. around, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. But, yeah he was always yeah. going to like, people were going to think of him as being one of the reasons for the failures of last season. So, At yeah. end of the day, like he'll, he'll get work as a David Tennant lookalike if he doesn't continue in <laughs> coaching, so he, he'll be he can, fine.
0: He can go to uh, uh, comic cons in like really terrible cities and just yeah. be a David Tennant lookalike. Just step in terror. and out of phone boxes <laughs> or just <laughs> until someone asks him for an autograph. He'll <laughs> have to work on a Scottish accent. But, uh, <laughs> so um, the the mailbag, I, I did want to kind of... Um, somebody, somebody had mentioned... Uh, uh when are you going to go back to discord so i just thought you'd I'd let you touch on that first before we uh, got into the rest of it i don't know
1: i don't know maybe when like the new signing i like to, i love the discord when there's like new signings happening because there's a few little detectives on there that part of it's really fun um but then i'll probably leave as the season's starting <laughs> cuz i just find, like i was just like i like to think about things for myself and my opinion becomes too like easily led. Um, so I need a bit of time to think about like what's going on myself. And yeah, so I'll probably, yeah, I'll probably will when we start signing players, jump back on for a bit.
0: Derek, Simon had a, a good question. Uh, I know it's early. We don't know who all is coming back, but at this point, what do you see as our biggest position role needs in the off season? Left back? Yes.
1: Especially, yes, especially because I, they probably don't listen, do that. I don't think particularly our left backs were very good last season. Um, and a left back in the way Patrice set up his Vaughan team is a really, really important position because that left back is not only a left back, they're also a central midfielder. So yeah. we need someone like technically, you know what, I, I don't know his name, but whoever the, whoever the guy was for Vaughan doing that job, like he was the number three for them. He was fantastic like usual who knows if that translate into a professional level but he looked good um but yeah we need i'd say a left back because that seems to be the key to the security of this system that he plays not necessarily the attack inside of it but the the security in transitions and the security in kind of just plugging those holes so left back and then uh, yeah well we're going to need to rebuild the midfield as well yeah to be honest. But but that midfield is, again, we're kind of assuming he's going to play the same way, but that midfield now has become a position where we need very, very attacking centre midfielders who are essentially number 10. So that's going to be part of it as well. What do you yeah. think?
0: Um, I, I totally agree. I think with the left-back situation and I think we, again, we didn't do ourselves much favour because we hyped up Tabby quite a lot. Um And I don't, like, he came from he he came like obviously it was his first year professional, but he came from like a kind of um a lower level college team, and I think the step up is huge. And you could see that in a lot. Of, like he, there's something there because you can see it when when he's playing. He's a he is a good player, but it's just you know at the pace of the game. I think caught him by surprise, and you saw how how hard it was for Omar to uh to fit in there too. And Escobar, I don't think has had really had a chance to to do anything to be honest with you but, is, he, is he signed on for next year Escobar uh, I think he is I, th- I think so uh, but I, I felt like he never like you know he got uh, injured towards the end of the year so he didn't play all that much we never really got no. got a chance to see him but I think uh Tabby like uh, if he doesn't come back like I don't think he should give up because I think that there as I said, there's definitely something there um like i think he'd be a good candidate for the under 23s he is under 23 right yeah i would
1: i would stick him there he needs yep. he needs another couple of years in like an adult environment yep. um because he's not yeah he's not quite physically there yet i don't think
0: so yeah so i, I definitely think left back would be uh one and uh, as you said i mean like i i still think that we need a striker um like uh, as you said like that pivotal uh if he has that pivotal player up front like you can see jermorelli kind of playing behind them i don't see i can't see Jeremy Reddy, like playing as a striker in a system. I know we have Amlet, but he's kind of unproven again. So yeah. I, I, I think,
1: I mean, on paper, Amler is the profile we need, yep. but it's just whether he can.
0: Yeah, yeah and I, I know a lot of people. A lot of people saw glimpses of him, like uh, glimpses of the talent that he has. Like like last year, and I know a lot of people were kind of talking about. But I like that. Like, like it's, it's a broken record, but I still think we need to have like somebody who's proven to come in and just, uh, you know, you know, just. Get the ground running and then kind of bring along those kind of guys with them. I don't know if Salter is the player to do that. Um, yeah, so yeah. So, so I mean,
1: I, I mean, Salter, Salter, would, yeah, because it depends. Again, we played Salter as a left, as the right yeah. winger, really, didn't we? And that. The, the wingers in the way Patrice plays stay very, very wide. But the idea with Salter was he was a winger who tucked in and yeah. kind of became a de facto strike. s- yep. striker. So, yep. yeah, so many questions like that about players yep. we've got and how they fit in.
0: So uh, I hope you appreciate our non-answers there, Derek. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we left back. Yeah, there we go. Left-back and uh, a striker and a couple of tens and a couple of midfielders. Probably a new goalkeeper because we're probably going to do their two goalkeepers. So, yeah, don't even get me uh, started on that. Yeah. So yeah, that's going to be uh, definitely uh, different. Uh, where are we? Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, sorry, I'm just looking through here. Uh, okay, so this one's from Wanderer Dave and I, I, I think this is something I'm kind of interested to, uh, to, to, to get your opinion on. So, um, so you want to know if we were going to talk anything about the uh, the Canada World Cup. I, I honestly think that there's enough podcasts that do a stellar job and know a lot more yeah. about it, such as uh, the, the prime of footy and uh, all those kind of guys. So I, I think they I think they do, like having ex-Canadian players on there with Jimmy Brennan, and uh, they, they do a fantastic job. I think Canada's been the first game against Belgium. Um, Personally, I thought that, I'm just going to do this really quickly, I thought that uh, Belgium... Uh, showed what they are an aging team. Uh, they have no pace in their back line and Canada really should have taken something from that game. Um, it's great that they get all the, the kudos and the congratulations afterwards, but you got to you got to win those games, and that's basically what Morocco did. Um, against Croatia, I thought that the first twenty minutes they were really good again. Um, but there was a lot of naivety. I think to think that you could keep Atiba Hutchinson and uh, Eustachio in there against the the tree. Uh, midfielders like Croatia had it's just like you know once once you got that goal they should have changed the formation to try and contain those three because that's where it was gone and then they just cut Canada apart so I think it was a really good lesson uh, as to where that next level is for Canada I think um, um, but it But be interesting to see how it goes against Morocco because Morocco will be a different proposition because they're a lot more Athletic, I think they are like they're a, lot, a younger squad with a lot of kind of powerful players. See how can they kind of cope with that? So
1: you, you better get this pod out early tomorrow morning because like, I know what time's that game at 11 o'clock. What do you up. think the score's gonna be? Because people oh, no. probably listen to this after that game's happened. So uh
0: I I, I think it's gonna be like uh two two nil to Morocco, you know Morocco look pretty decent. Um so yeah, so the, the, the other one you want to talk about was the uh the terrible CBC reporting. I, I I don't know if you caught this article that uh, somebody on CBC did about yeah. uh, Alfonso Jet Davis, uh, Chris Jones for CBC Sports, um, and he his the title of it. It was straight away you could tell it was going to be a hatchet job. Is Alfonso Davis a celebrity with potential problem for Canada men's World Cup team? What a lot of bollocks. <laughs> uh, that's my answer. I'm always that. like
1: well, with with stuff like, like this. So I'm like. By giving it all the attention that we've all given it, because it is obviously yeah. bollocks. Like it just kind of like make how many hits would it have had on that story? Oh, now, like I'm, just,
0: I'm just looking at it here. Andrew, they've got 214 comments on a football piece exactly, on yeah. CBC. so
1: As far as he's concerned, his bosses are concerned, job done. And yeah. That's what they want. Um, yeah, it was obviously bollocks. It's, you know what? It reminds me of. It reminds me of the way the British press used to talk about Raheem Sterling. Yes, and there's a definite undertone on there that. I don't want to get sued for yep. libel for but I mean <laughs> you can read between the lines when you see comments like about his bling earrings yep. and there's there's fucking undertones there mate and yeah that's that's what he might not even know that's what he's getting at but that's what he's getting at this idea of who do you think you are to behave like that and like not give me the time and yeah I, I didn't I didn't like that part of it at all okay, and it kind of muddied he might have been making a good point elsewhere but that comment muddied it so much that it, you just felt a bit dirty reading it, so yeah, fucking there,
0: there, there, yeah. There's just there's just been this thing of like that. Uh, Alphonso Davis has not been making himself available for Canadian journalists and and all that kind of stuff. But like you got to realize that like like at a, at a World Cup and these kind of tournaments, like. There's a lot to do. Like, I mean, if you're like, you know, you can't like not every player is going to be available at the the press conferences because each player is probably set out for their turn to do it because nobody wants to do it. Because like I'm sure the press center is probably far away from where your ground is or your hotel is, right? So you have to travel there, answer some like bullshit questions, and then go back so like nobody's volunteering to do that stuff you're basically being told to do it and then uh, after a game you've just lost 4-1 like you just want to do the bare minimum so obviously he's going to talk to you. like tsn is is the world cup partner so he's going to talk to tsn and he'll probably talk to like one soccer because they cover the canadian men's national team like, mm. like what more do you want from him you know i don't i don't get it and, and it's the, like it's the people
1: he didn't talk to they're not like they're not like the broadcasters or the video press. They're the fucking people in the mix zone. Just a bunch of dudes sticking fucking dictaphones under his yeah. mouth. Like, I wouldn't fucking talk to them either, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts, you thought, <laughs> Fonzie? Yeah. It's exactly,
0: just exactly.
1: Like he's, he's, like, fulfilled his obligations, talked to other people. Like, yeah. It's, I just thought it was a
0: dick I, dick I, just, I just think there was, like, there's no need for it. Like, obviously, uh, there's a lot of positivity around... The Canadian men's national team, despite the, the defeats, and um, I, I just think that he's kind of sullied it a little bit. And as you said, like, I mean, like, I think part of it was that the diamond earrings he has are more than one of the players earns in a year, and all that kind of stuff. It's like, get fucked. you know, what yeah. I mean? like, is, he, is he supposed to walk around in like rags because the other guys don't earn as much money as them? It's, yeah. it's fucking bollocks. On and it. do you like, think
1: like a team like Wales, Gareth Bale, like, yes, like, like every player even, has it.
0: Every Every team has a superstar. Like when Beckham was at the LA Galaxy... Like there's guys that are earning a hundred grand a year, and then he's earning thirty or forty million. But it it is what it is, and it's like mm. you know you shouldn't begrudge anybody something like you know because. I mean? And
1: how sen- how sensitive do they fucking think the rest of the Canada players are? don't they think know. they're all sitting around going, "Oh, Fon- Fonzi turned up in his nice car today. I, I feel know. really sad about it." Of course, they're fucking I... not. They're like, if he wins, if he if he wins us a game on his own, I get a massive fucking bonus. Happy days. <laughs>
0: He turned. He turned up in his Lamborghini, and I turned up in my Fiat Punto.
1: Fuck that guy! Mummy, Mom, mummy, Fonzie turned up in his nice car again. <laughs>
0: oh, <laughs> and okay, I rode on anyway. my shitty bike. So, my my advice to people would be: do not go to CBC for your uh, <laughs> your footballer content right now. Have, um, they, have they got a bit of
1: a reputation here? CBC. Uh, I always assume they were kind of like the BBC back home, which is yeah, on they, paper neutral. Is that CBC's yeah, angle? Yeah, as the, well?
0: that's kind of what they are. But obviously, like they. Unlike the B the BBC, they have adverts and all that kind of stuff. So it's there. No. It's a little bit. It's a little bit different, I guess. But at the same time, though, like the, like that, the whole of the media system in Canada, uh, has has a hasn't had an agenda but just doesn't give a shit about football and then Mm, when the women's team became successful they kind of jumped a little bit on the bandwagon and now they're trying to do the same thing with the men because people are starting to pay attention to what's going on i I know that with the island games they were showing some of the games but i guess they said they weren't getting the numbers so they they ditched it and all that kind of stuff but yeah it's uh you're going to see now with especially the world cup ramping up in four years time here in Canada, that you're going to see more and more of them paying attention to it. But I think if they're going to like, that's not fair and balanced. That's just fucking some twats idea yeah. of like trying to create a headline. And it's, it's, it's awful anyway. So moving on to the next part of that uh, day's thing. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but I, I got kind of a little bit kind of pissy about this one. So, uh, uh kevin kilban as you know yeah uh, i fucking uh, saw it yeah uh, it all Irish. kicked
1: off during the euros as well and I... yeah
0: like yeah. Irish legend that he is um so like so he met his wife on strictly come dancing the two of them were on there she's canadian she wanted to move back home he moved here with her obviously he needs a job because you need to be able to afford to live here and if you want to get a, a visa and become a parent resident you need to have a job and his job is working in the media because, like, he worked for BBC, he worked for uh, News Talk back home in Ireland. So, like, you know, and he, he writes for the Irish Times. So, he's a journalist in his own way, as well as an ex football player who's played at a World Cup. So, th- th- this idea of him, and there was, as you said, as you talked about, like, the undertones and stuff of like that, the undertones of this felt to me like that it's an immigrant taking somebody else's job. That's the way, yeah, yeah. that's the undertone that I felt. And it's not the first time this has kind of been um, laid out against him. I think it was, as you said, like during the Euros, he was on there, and uh, I can't remember who it was had said that. Why is there not a Canadian per- person on there? It's like he's played in a fucking Euro finals, like, and he's played at a World Cup, like, like, and you know, he's, and he's well a Canadian respected. permanent
1: resident or citizen yes. as well. Yeah.
0: So it's like. It's like what the what's going on here? Like what 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 do you, what do you care? Like I mean, if if you watch the BBC at home, or if you watch RTE in in Ireland, like Didi Haman is with his hybrid Liverpool accent is like is like mm. giving his opinions on the game because he's played for Germany. He's been like he's played like a, a, a amazingly top games. Like why would you not want to have that person on the panel to get their advice rather than some Irish guy who like. Probably does not play that many games, you know. What I mean, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't understand it. And stick, it's like...
1: stick on Sky Sports back home, it's, it's Thierry Henry, yeah, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbang. Like, yeah, so you...
0: Silva has like popped up on the BBC, yeah. like in this World Cup, so and yeah, you're,
1: you're right. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure the intention was probably good from was it Paul Pesky Salido? Yeah, you yeah, but at the end of the day, like, I tweeted this back, like, you you apply the sentiment to what he was saying to any other profession and you think about how dodgy it sounds like, yeah, there's a cleaner job. Like why is, why is that foreign person taking this cleaner job when there's Canadians who could take it? Why is this person taking this like engineering job when there's Canadians who should have it? Like, it sounds really sketchy when you, when you like kind of apply it to any other job, but for some reason it's okay to say that about a punditry job.
0: Um, Yeah. I, I, I thought that Craig Forrest, Craig Forrest kind of jumped in um, because I guess he's like, you know, they played together. And <laughs> I, I think. The thing with sorry, just annoyed me for no
1: reason. Every time you replied to something, he used this weird emoji of like a guy with glasses and these goofy teeth to like kind of say, Oh, I'm just being silly. I'm just like this little silly
0: comment and like to try and like pacify what he was saying. <laughs> Look at every one of his no, replies. Oh my God, to... that's so fucking annoying. <laughs> but yeah, Craig, Craig Forrest obviously jumped in and, you know, he kind of said, in fairness to him, I said that it's it's not an easy job. It's like there's a lot of work that goes involved with and he said he was happier doing the podcast that he does. So, you know, I, yeah, Kevin Caban's a great guy. Kevin Caban, obviously he's Irish, so I, I'm gonna stick up from it like a little bit. Um mm-hmm. He also gets a lot of that kind of press like he's funny he was born in Preston and he's got an English accent, so that gets thrown out quite a lot too when I got like, thrown at him when he was playing
1: as well, wasn't yeah, it? Because there was like that area of like a lot of the players for the Irish team had English accents
0: and stuff. Like you know, like like his family's off from Ireland and all that kind of stuff. So you know it, you know he is Irish, and it's just, it's just, it's just another bullshit distraction that somebody just causing trouble on on Twitter, and yeah, I just, it just let a really bad taste. Me out. So yeah, so well, uh, mate,
1: we've had like ten minutes of proper air in our grievances know, about those two uh, things, haven't we? Uh, I know. Therapy. I it. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, Dave. <laughs> for, uh,
0: Cheers, Dave. Yeah. You we're, proper wound us up. We're definitely not going to uh, ever answer one of your questions again because I just feel like I want to cry now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh my god, I've got so many bad stories. This one is from Denton, and this this is a this is a great question actually. Um, tell us a footy story. What's your favourite example of a newly hired manager of any league who immediately proved he was the wrong choice to lead a team, even before the season started?
1: Um. So. Most people listening will know who this is, but just really, really quickly for those that don't, um, there's an English player who was really famous in the early nineties called Paul Gascoigne or Gaza, and he was like known as being this completely, complete like maverick talent, but he also had his demons. Like he was alcoholic, he liked a bit of a sniff of the white stuff, and after he retired, he had a thirty-nine day spell as manager of. Kettering Town, who oh, yeah. who are my so my <laughs> my local local club are Russian and Diamonds, but fifteen minutes down the road is Kettering Town, who were in the same league as them a lot of the time and big rivalry. So Paul Gascoigne took over uh, Kettering Town. Um, he was again not making light of it, but like he was like pretty fucking hammered for the majority of his yeah, tenure. Yeah. Like when he got fired after thirty nine days, the chairman said that he had logged 37 incidents of, of like drunkenness, drunkenness or poor behavior in those 39 days um, during the fallout from his firing paul Gascoigne tried to then buy the club because i guess he still had a bit of money and spanked it all away by that point so like he got fired he re- he, he refused to be fired and <laughs> then he tried it? and then he tried to buy the club um all on the back of a 39 day tenure where he was pissed for most of it. So yeah, that's, that's mine. What about,
0: I, what about just, you? I think just before I, I say, Myron, I, I definitely think there's a book in there for you somewhere. Uh, they, <laughs> it, yeah, because if they can do the damn united, which was like boring clubs yeah. in 42 days or whatever it was at leads. Imagine what you get out of Gaza at 29 days. I'm sure it'll go mate. back to the people who were there. A mate, uh, a mate of mine was playing in the academy at the time as well. He was he would oh, been oh. like
1: 18 or 19, so I might see if he knew what was going on at
0: the time. That, that that'd be incredible. Um mine would probably be Roy Hodgson when he took over at Liverpool. Uh yeah. as soon as he signed Paul Konchesky, who like followed him around like a bad smell wherever he went to, and He was like he was like uh like Harry Redknapp had uh Nico Cranchier uh Roy Hodgson had Paul Kaczewski. and when he tipped in in there to a club the stature of Liverpool it it just kind of just. It was just never right, was it? You know, I, remember... I think he brought in uh, Andre voronin as well. I think it was another one of his signings. And... His his oh.
1: his first. I remember that because his first game was against Arsenal, and Joe Cole had been his big summer signing, and Joe Cole got sent off after about twenty minutes. <laughs> he was like, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I, I,
0: I, I think even like uh, considering that he was he was the former England manager, but even like I think Stephen Gerrard was just like had said like it just wasn't the right fit, so that, that was that was an odd appointment for me anyway i think that was right after kenny dog leash had left and just it before was. brendan rogers took over it was that kind of like little gap um so yeah so it was uh that, that was definitely mine so uh denton great question thanks emil mm. uh i think that's pretty much it so uh yeah we've uh touched base on an awful lot of stuff there we uh went over the manager the departing players. We had a good ranting session. Yeah, good now. Yeah, I feel yeah. I feel like refreshed and reset. As we said, that we like we did. We don't really want to get into the World Cup because there's enough podcasts and, and and stuff being rammed down people's throats with the World Cup. I, I just don't want to really get into it. So, uh if anybody has any ideas of what a, <laughs> what a, a podcast episode they'd like us yeah. to do, uh, let us know. Uh, I'm sure once a player starts signing for the Wanderers, we'll start. We'll probably have some interviews. We'll probably try and get. The main man himself to come on, um, the the new coach, um, well, but I, one of the one of my favourite moments of today actually though, was when uh the, when they I don't know if I because I was obviously in the room were they live streaming the press conference on YouTube or something. Or... Oh, I was I was in meetings at work, mate. I'm not sure because when Derek actually announced them, he called them Patrick, <laughs> and, then had, and then he had to correct himself. It was fucking amazing. Like... <laughs> <laughs> and, <I> just, Jesus. <laughs> and he, he actually asked me not to mention it, but I thought, you I, just uh, mentioned it. Yeah. yeah Maybe in the complete our hour tiny hour, listener but, base. Yeah. I think, so hopefully Derek, uh, I know Derek listens in every now and again, so hopefully you had to listen to that. And, uh, also want to say thanks for the tea. I, I bitched and complained <laughs> that there was no tea at the conference. So, uh, I'm quite happy that such uh, a diva, mate. I don't. I, 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 the fact that somebody went down and got, I was like totally just hating the piss anyway. But uh, so, the fact somebody went down and got me one too was uh, was was quite nice. So yeah, uh, really excited for to see where this goes. Um, you know, it's uh, start of a new chapter, um, new challenge. You know, mm. Any other cliches you can think of before we go? I think the new, we're all in. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we are all <laughs> fucking in. Thanks, Gar. Talk Cheers, to you soon, buddy. Bye. Cheers. <laughs>